Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast where we talk to interesting people. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Take that, Scott Ackerman. Today's guest is performer Nicole Pascaretta. We talk about her background in acting and different shows she's been a part of and or developed. Really great chat. Before we get into that, I do want to mention that over on our website, we have a post about how men in comedy can support women in comedy. Men not being a sexist is not enough. I thought I was doing good when I co-ran an open mic by encouraging women who came out to come back. But so often they did not come back despite exchanging pleasantries with them all the time. They, They never seemed to have a problem with me. But they may have had a problem with the scene, and I didn't know because I didn't ask. And I've come to realize that I just may not have done enough to create a space where they felt safe to be in. It wasn't enough for me to just be welcoming. I had to also make sure the scene wasn't aggressive or creepy to women. I know a couple of us who were running that show thought we did enough by not engaging in creepy behavior ourselves, by rolling our eyes at guys who were weird so they knew we weren't down with their odd behavior. But that wasn't enough. We should have asked women what would have made them feel safe and followed through with it. We never did that because it didn't come to our minds because we're dumb. We didn't realize that that was how rough it was for women to just go out in the world and hearing all these stories that women are going through or have gone through in the past in comedy club scenes and how unsafe they always felt. It's heartbreaking. We should have done more. Whether that meant taking guys aside and saying they can't do what they were doing or banning them altogether or actively telling men to be better. I mean, it's just like people saying... That it's not enough to not be racist, that you have to actively be anti-racist to defeat racism. Men, it's well past time that we join in the fight for equality and safety for women and trans people in our comedy scene. It's a collective comedy scene. It's not ours as in a, a boys club. It's men's comedy scene. Our is as in all the people who take part in it. No more excuses. No more belittling the cause. You gotta get with it. So check out that post that I put up on thereitispod.com to read up on ways you can be supportive to women in comedy. Also, use the tips to be supportive of other marginalized groups because if your space is only safe for one group, it ain't all that safe. Now on to today's awesome guest, I'm really glad that we got to have her on. Girlfriend of the show, Justina, and I love her. She's a delight, and so is our conversation. Here's my chat with Nicole Pascaretta. I have to say, I'd heard about you a ton before I actually saw you perform. And I, I saw, like, posters with uh, shows you were in, or, or maybe you came up on Facebook as a person I may know, because we have so many mutual friends. Uh-huh. And you, yeah, and you're in shows at Magnet. Then I finally saw you perform in Sean's One Woman show. Uh, oh! Yep, <laughs> which was a great time. We enjoyed that thoroughly, and uh, we were blown away with your talent. Oh, thank you. And it's really funny you say that because that's how I found out about your podcast, because oh, wow. it's a literal line in Sean's show. <laughs> yeah. Jason, how's the going in Sean's voice that I can never master. <laughs> yeah, it, she is the best, and and you're also the best. And oh. um, so many of the best were involved in that show. But when I saw Truly. that show, I was like, when I saw you in that show, I thought, oh, okay, she's someone else who is incredibly talented who must have been performing 
for forever. Like I, <laughs> like I imagine since you were young, you've been studying voice and things like that. Could you have a great voice and great comic timing? Is that the case? Have you always just been a performer and, and doing it? Oh my gosh, thank you. That's so nice. Um, well, kind, yes, yes, definitely. Like, I think naturally my whole life, like I've always been very like big and energetic and like mm. very like performy as like an, an everyday life. But um, I did do like summer music theater in elementary school and I was in choir and then yeah, weirdly, in high school, I did not do theater, which, looking back, I'm like, oh, that would have been helpful. Um, <laughs> but I was just always, like, the ham and the class clown, the weirdo of the group. Mm. But, like, I didn't really, like, and I've always, like, since I was little, I've wanted to be an actress. But I even, in college, my major was film, uh, communications with a major of film, video, media studies. And oh, wow. I kind of like it, the school I went to, Western Michigan University, had a great theater program. And I actually like it was the type of thing. Well, looking back now, I feel like it's the type of thing where I went for the thing <laughs> next to the thing I wanted. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I was I always afraid. Right. It's like you're afraid to fail at the thing that you love most and have wanted your whole life. And I'm like, oh, I can study film and put myself in my own films right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no i know what you mean because in college i was i was a mass com major because it's the backup yes! plan right yeah yeah and i i have mixed emotions about that and i wonder if you do too because yeah i get why your parents say like have a backup plan but when it comes to what your major is in college if your major is your backup plan then it becomes your plan one your your plan a it's not your backup plan anymore, right? And it 100%. makes what you want, it makes your passion your backup plan. I mean, that's I'm, if you're yeah. focusing on a major, that's not a backup. That is a focal point. I am doing a slow clap over here. <laughs> you nailed it. I mean, I feel like looking back, I because even in high school, I did cheerleading and sports versus theater but it's like trust the path because even those things even studying film or study or being a communications major or doing sp various sports or whatever things you did versus the thing you <laughs> really wanted to do those things definitely I have found like have helped my or have definitely like shaped my performing style today yeah. so I, I so I have to, I'm like not in full regret but I do agree with you like that's why now I, I still find myself in a nine to five um which is like a security thing you know yeah well yeah exactly I mean it's you know I don't know what you should really do it just feels like a a, a counterproductive step to focus yeah. on something else uh as a major when there's something else you want to do with your life. And we do find a way around it. I mean, I still ended up acting, but I worked in radio for a long time. And I wish I had fresh out of college started pursuing acting instead of waiting four or five years. That's so interesting. I feel like I, I relate so hard to that because I ended up in advertising, which I'd, like radio and advertising, I feel like those are still creative worlds, mm -hmm. which I was like so thankful for. But it was still like... Yeah, next to the thing that I wanted to be doing. And it's so interesting that, yeah, you find yourself like, oh, I have to get a job. And in, instead of like learning those skills of acting in in like college where from like the masters of it, of the school or, you know what I mean? Like, that's mm -hmm. so interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think if I had just focused a little bit differently you know, if, if I wanted to work at the radio station, fine, but I should right. have been a little more proactive about saying, this is the backup. You know, this is not my main thing. I want to focus my energy primarily on pursuing acting. And I think that would have made me a better actor. I think I would have gotten to New York sooner. I think a lot of things uh -huh. could have happened differently. 
if I had taken that approach. And a part of me wishes I had taken that approach, but my life would maybe be different in a way I wouldn't, uh, you know, I have certain blessings now uh, with the way my life did go that I don't know I would have if I went the other way. So that's why I'm also sort of like, okay, fine, <laughs> that I didn't totally. do it that way right out of college. But I'd, I, if, if I were talking to a 21-year-old getting ready to leave college, I would say, do the thing you want to do hard. It's like that Dolly Parton uh, quote, that great, that, that great Dolly Parton quote, find out who you are and do it on purpose. I Isn't never it heard so it. Great? Oh my god, oh, I love gosh. her too. Oh. Yeah, she's the best. And, wow. and so I think that's really I think that's the crux of it, right? You know, like you yes. want to be who you are on purpose and not as a backup plan and not as a when the time is right. Like hit the ground running out of college being who you are on purpose. That may mean you're working at temp jobs or working at a restaurant or working in your major kind of, but whatever, you know, like working at the radio station, uh, all fine jobs, but you yes. have to pursue who you are on purpose. Yes. And then if, if it's like, if you go that route, then you can, if you find yourself having to go to your plan B, you do your plan B after, not first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's just like, I think when you approach it as, okay, my major will be my my backup plan, and then it becomes your main plan, I, th I think you sort of trick yourself, especially if it's close. Espe you know, because yeah. media isn't so different than entertainment. And right. so when you're in media, it's like, hey, I'm adjacent. I can hop over. But that's, that's maybe you kidding yourself. That's maybe a lie you tell yourself to be happy with the choice of going with the plan B first. But just yes. if you, even if you do that, at least be honest with yourself and call it you're doing your plan B first. Yep. It's so true. Cause even like, you know, we were talking about this today. Like when someone asks you like, Oh, what do you do for a living? Like that's such a hard question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause you're like, what do I do to pay the bills or what is my passion? And like, I think even changing the wording of that is so important. Like saying I'm an actress versus like, I but that, it's hard to answer, you know? Like It is. I um, recently interviewed Casey St. Ange, and she is a writer and, and producer, and she's worked on a bunch of different comedy shows. And she said that when she was working at Rosie O'Donnell's talk show, that Rosie O'Donnell, I believe it was Rosie O'Donnell, who told her, you're a writer. Like, if you're working in a different field than writing, but if you're writing and that's what you want to do, then call yourself a writer. Yep. That's what that. you are. Uh, yeah. Because it's about identity, right? Yeah. It's you about, have to believe it. Yeah. It's about how you view yourself as a person, as an existential thing. And I've had a couple of like many existential crises when the, uh, acting career wasn't going the way I wanted it to or mm -hmm. comedy wasn't going the way I wanted it to and I was calling myself an actor comedian but that wasn't paying the bills and yep. so it was easy to sort of think well what am I if that's but you're not what pays the bills you're what sh you are you're yeah. who you are and if who you are is an entertainer then then call yourself that even if it's not paying the bills that'll at least get some weight off of your shoulders. Yeah, and I feel like these things like that we do feel called to do like are our gifts to the world and like I feel like like even in during this pandemic like I've really struggled to be creative or be which I, I it's like, you know, different every hour, but mm -hmm. like I find when I do when I do end up doing something creative, it really brings me joy. And like, you know, because that's the thing that we're passionate about. And mm -hmm. like, of course, like I can't force it and it's OK to not be able to some days. But that's something that I've found interesting during this time is like 
how healing it is for myself and for other people. Cause hopefully like if I post it online, it brings a smile to someone else's face, but that's been interesting too. Like that's what almost feels like soul crushing when we're in jobs that aren't with our passion. Cause it's right. like, it doesn't bring us joy and in turn, but I know that those things have to happen sometimes too pay the bills but but it's just interesting like there's a calling like there's a reason why and I mean there's so many reasons to do it like I mean the the community of performing in general like the magnet for example has been such a blessing when I moved to New York and like meeting people through the magnet has been so helpful (laughs) like you know wonderful community truly amazing it makes big New York a little bit more small yeah honestly (laughs) it's wild how how it's many millions of people are here you can just bump into somebody (laughs) so weird like on the same train car like how does this happen how yeah Yeah. i saw somebody uh last year i like went into the city and there was somebody on my train car who got on who did not get on when I got on, they got on uh, at a later stop at th- mm-hmm. than my stop, and um, they had like an interesting outfit, so they stood out. Mm-hmm. And then when I was like in the city for hours, and then when I went back home, that same person <laughs> happened to be on the train I was on, like the the car, not the fold subway. Right. So I was like, wait a second, <laughs> that's nuts. It was yep. like, totally nuts. Totally nuts. This is such a small <laughs> world, and, and sometimes we don't realize it. Um, yes. Let's talk about before you got to New York, because you were mm-hmm. in Detroit, correct? Yes. And yes. you were doing uh, comedy there. Is that where mm-hmm. you started doing comedy? Yes. So that's like when I graduated from college, that was like my first pursuing of like okay like I've known I wanted to be an actress my whole life like I'm just gonna try this and I actually um I think I read Bossy Pants by Tina Fey Mm. and (laughs) was like oh my gosh improv comedy like this sounds right up my alley Mm -hmm. and um my dad told me about an improv comedy theater in the area and I just signed up for classes and I was so nervous and And literally, like I always say, it was the thing I was looking for my entire life, but didn't know I was looking for it. Like, fit so perfectly, like, the weirdness, but, like, you know, the performing with, like, an ensemble and it, like, being made up on the spot and just everything about it and, like, the community. It, it, like, it, like, that, that was such a huge turning point in my life. Like, finding that was, like, it felt like I was a lost key looking for a lock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I make up random uh, That's quotes. a good one. I like that. <laughs> and it like, it, yeah, it was just like magical. And I feel like a lot of people say that when they say they, how they found improv. I don't know if that's how you felt, but. I Yeah, I did. The way I heard it was Jon Stewart talking about finding comedy. And it said it was like he, his his plug found its socket which i like because it's like Uh, oh comedy energized him that's what he's saying it added electricity to him um so i liked that but i also like the way you put it because then it's like oh it's opening a a door to (gasps) the whole world yes and that's literally how it felt because it was a time where i'm like oh like what am i you know going into the working and I'm like what am I doing and it was a way for me to get to where I wanted to go when I think that's another huge part about like what we were talking about earlier is like what makes it hard to go for our plan a the thing we want to do is there is no plan there is no structure to how to do it right and it's like so that kind of felt like this is a road or like I'm enjoying this and this feels right like that I feel like I'm on the right path so finding improv changed my life for the better in so many ways. And I always want to be a part of improv, no matter where my life takes me. It's just such a magical thing. Yes, absolutely. And like such magical people around you too. So 
I guess one of the reasons I first started hearing about you is because of our mutual friend, Julia Schroeder, also a Detroiter. Yes. And she was like, oh, my God. When I met her, it was like, oh, you're my sister. Like, she's like my (laughs) performing soulmate. And I also feel that about Sean. Like, that's the two people that we are. (laughs) If the three of you did a show... Together, I think my head would explode I with think- joy. <laughs> Same. Yes, agreed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally see that sort of uh, uh, kindred spirit among the three of you because I get the same sort of experience watching all of you perform. It's just like, like I said, joy. It's just like yeah. this pure joy that comes <laughs> out of each of you and and washes over me. It's so Aww. great. It's so fun. And uh, you're all so great. I mean, I, I, this interview could be an hour of me talking about how great <laughs> you all are. Um, but let's talk a little bit about why you're great. So, yeah, obviously, I mentioned uh, how great of a singer you are. You have a really great mm-hmm. voice. So there's a lot of training that went into that. When it comes to your comedic perspective and your presence on stage... Is there something particular that you are going for that you've always tried to hone? Oh, um, I okay. So <laughs> hone is like a perfect word because the thing that I the thing about me as a performer I'm, um, is I am very like explosive and big yes. and kind of like how I am in everyday life. So that was actually <laughs> very hard to control at first, and that actually. Like, it was, like, super hard um, for auditions and stuff because I feel like that that thing about me is, like, something that makes me different and unique and, like, you can't, like, learn how to be that energetic and, like, huge and physical, you know. But it would sometimes go to my detriment when it's, like, you got to be grounded and, like, my grounded... Like, one time I did an audition. (laughs) This is so funny. (laughs) And... It was an audition for an accountant. And I'm like, well, I'm going to give them a Nicole accountant, you know. So I was like, you know, just being big. And they're like, "Um, can you do it next time a little bit more normal? And then I was like, okay. And they're like, actually less than normal because your normal is already big. And I was like, this casting director knew this about me in 2.5 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, cool, cool, cool. But, yeah, so I feel like um, I, yeah, I'm just very, I I love doing characters. Um, Yeah. Yeah, voices and physicality and just, I love singing. Um, I did take singing lessons um, in Detroit, and I I wanted to out here, but it's so expensive. Yeah. (laughs) But that helped me so much because I didn't realize how much like when we sing naturally we're we're doing it incorrectly like oh yeah it's i mean a so, lot of pop singers you know they're they're doing things that you're not technically supposed to do sometimes it just yep. sounds good <laughs> exactly. especially rock and roll singers yep it's so, like my my singing teacher would be like oh adele sings incorrectly and i'm like what how <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably like Celine Dion's probably right. one of the few that like sings. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying like the way <laughs> she sounds, I could see her being someone they would say sings correctly. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, there are a lot of people <laughs> who are super great from a different perspective. Right. Yeah, because they just found their voice on their own, which yeah. I think is so great too. But it was so helpful to learn the skills and like, it's so weird how it's mostly mental, like where you visualize the voice coming out of your head helps you like hit notes and like how like focused your sound is. Like it like blew my mind. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that <Yeah>. was helpful. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. And so you've done two person shows with both Sean and Julia, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So Julia and I like met like at the beginning of like my improv life mm-hmm. and um, we clicked instantly and we did a lot of various improv shows together in troops and um, our most our show that we like really 
we wrote together for the first time and like really clicked and like has literally been like affecting our lives to this day, which is pretty amazing is um, the parent trap Lord of the twins trilogy (laughs) show that we did. So it's a, yeah, I I saw that poster (laughs) everywhere. And I yes. knew who Julia was because I'd already met her. But I was like, who is this other person? And <laughs> this is one heck of a poster. Because there's a picture. You two are almost nose to nose. And I was just like, how did they not crack up? Like, oh. there's so much intensity in this picture. And it's so, so funny. But I don't exactly know why. And I don't know how someone captured this moment. That's why we're lucky that a camera is like so quick because <laughs> I bet we cracked up immediately after and before. Oh goodness! I wish I'd seen that show. I kept telling myself to go see it and then never got a chance. No, I mean it's hard. There's so much to see all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in our lives before, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, and that's like one of the beauties of that show is. Um, we wrote it in Detroit. We date, so it's a three-part show. We debuted each part in a variety show. Like we had to audition it, mm-hmm. and and then it like started picking up traction. And then we got our own show slot night, and we did all three parts in a row. And this show is like very scripted, very like rehearsed. Like every second is like planned and like. Yeah, we snap into different characters, and it's very physical. And, like, literally, it it feels like a workout while we're doing it because we don't stop. And, like, it's like she says something, I say something, and we're, like, running all over the stage and, like, doing, like, sword fights. And, you know, because it's about (laughs) – it's a a dramatic retelling of the 1998 version of The Parent Trap with a Lord of the Rings twist. So, naturally, all this occurs. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but so what was so beautiful was moving to New York, I, you know, like, I don't know anyone. No one knows, like, if I can perform or how am I going to get asked to be a part of different shows and or, you know, like, get to get stage time. And that um, was so beautiful about that show is like we were able to put it up um, at the magnet, at the pit, at a random bar, at the brick comedy space in Brooklyn I think that's what it's called um yeah so like that was such a so important because it it allowed me to get on stage right away and like I think it was already scary and daunting to be like I'm in New York and I feel like a visitor you know like it, it was hard to feel comfortable and like that was such a and that was such a show that I was extremely comfortable doing so we did it for years before I moved to New York and um, that was, it, yeah, it brought so many gifts and like my first show in New York, this is crazy. <laughs> um, it was like a late night cause you know, the slot show slots aren't ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, late night slot. And there was like four people in the audience and Horatio Sands from SNL stumbles mm-hmm. in and he, he was hammered, which was unfortunate. Cause I'm like, Oh, of course it's like New York. <laughs> An SNL cast member can walk in at any time, but I don't think he remembered his experience. Um, <laughs> Did you see him laugh at all? So he thought it was improv, and he oh. like wanted to get on stage because it was at the pit, and he was like, "Ali will let me perform," you know, and like it was so. And me and Julia are just continuing, like, continuously performing this very scripted show, uh-huh. and. And actually, Adam Payne was there, and he was like, can you please stop and, like, like talking? Because, like, he was just, like, clapping and just being obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And and then, like, Horatio was like, I'm going to punch you. And Adam was like, whoa. And then he got kicked out. Horatio oh, wow. Sands. Is that insane? That is insane. <laughs> and all the while, Julia and I are performing and we didn't stop. And I just remember being so mad. I'm like, who is this guy? And I've heard he's I, a wild dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, I've heard that. Uh, that's an unfortunate situation. Right. It was like cool, but not at the same time. Because I was like. Right. It's a cool New York story. But then it's like, I like Horatio Sands. Why? Adam Payne is the <laughs> nicest person in the world. I know. I know. Exactly. Like, it was just such a weird story. But I was like, 
oh, I guess celebrities can casually walk in, though. That's cool. (laughs) I hope they remember it, though. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, if he's listening, he's not. If he's listening, I hope he reaches out and apologizes. I know. I actually tweeted him, and I was like, do you remember coming to our show? And he didn't respond. (laughs) That was a yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a yes, I remember, and I'm embarrassed. Um, right. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a, I've heard some stories about his drinking. Um, yeah. You know, he's... don't want to judge. No, Because sure. I know I have enjoyed this entire quarantine. Right? <laughs> Me too. Yes, no judgment, but I think, yeah, that don't, it's not. Don't, 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 do don't that. threaten to punch Adam Payne. Never. Of There's all never, people. never, no. Okay the sweetest that. man in the world. I know. Um, <laughs> it's like Adam Payne and Fred Chong Rutherford. Like truly angels. If you if you want to hurt them, you know what? You're automatically a bad person. <laughs> if you're like, you know, not drunk, I won't say Horatio's automatically a bad person because I don't know. But, yeah, he was on a different plane. Who knows? Right. <laughs> but if you are clean and sober and you want to hurt them, then there's nothing good in your heart. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting experience to go through and <laughs> yeah. test out these shows. Uh, but you got through it. Yep. The show that you did with Sean was a very mm-hmm. different kind of show. Yeah. Um, so you obviously developed them differently. Uh can you walk through how you created the show with Julia and then also how you created the show with Sean just so we can see the differences? For sure. So the Parent Trap show, um, so we went to James Quesada um, and we asked him to direct our show. And he really, like, he put us through this incredible process, this, like, writing process where we were just writing so many like different passes on right like the plot of the show in like as much detail as you can remember and then we did different like takes of like write like a trailer like a paragraph in different genres about um like just like as if it was a trailer for the parent trap and so we did all this writing like we had so much writing and that's why we broke it into three parts because we had so much and we kind of we discovered that we were going like dark with it so that's where like the lord of the rings twist came in like that was not (laughs) i mean you can't really pre-plan to have the lord of the rings twist involved but that was such a cool thing and i loved that process because the only thing we knew going in was me and julia were obsessed with the parent trap Mm-hmm. And we were like, and um, James Quesada also coached um, forensic theater. I don't know oh, if you're okay. familiar. Um, I'm familiar with James, I believe. He's an actor. Yes, yes. And he is dating Julia Schroeder. Well, he's an actor dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an actor first, Julia's boyfriend second. <laughs> <laughs> he is an actor, writer. He is like a, he does everything. Gosh. Mm-hmm. He's very talented. Uh, yes. And he is like literally, especially in Michigan, he like was my director or coach in everything I was a part of. <laughs> so I always told myself, like, if James asked me to be a part of something, I will say yes. Maybe a few exceptions, but you know. <laughs> but they actually, we all talked about moving to New York at the same time. And they, I would like when they set their date to move, I like wasn't ready yet. So we've all kind of been on this like journey together, which has been really nice. Um, But so, yeah, with that and then we so we wanted it to be a forensic style piece. So he kind of he helped or he he choreographed like we have like a sword fight scene. And um, when we jump into different characters, like we just do a spin and we're in a different character. So it's very like forensic style theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very fast paced and the writing, like he, he took our writing and really like, and he also wrote the script, a part of the script as well. And he just like made it, put it all together in this like crazy script form that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like her line, my line, her line, my line. And <laughs> yeah, it was fan. It was just like, it, it the coolest part about that was just creating something from scratch 
and not knowing what it was going to be and never being able to plan what we created because you have to like go through this like discovery and this process together and like just like follow what we find is funny or like what we want to do in our performance and I think it is the most representative piece of like for I can speak for myself like my voice I felt like it is like very much my voice and like what I love to do in comedy Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like nostalgic, heartwarming, but also like (laughs) scary. Like we (laughs) turn into dragons and yeah. So yeah, the whole, that whole thing. And we also are writing, um, before the pandemic, um, broke out. Um, we, we have been writing for since last summer and then we put up like a workshop, which wasn't like an actual like it wasn't like a show we just showed a few people like what we've been working on and Mm -hmm. that's also been like an experimental process and like writing and then like planning our next assignment based on like what we found we liked in the assignment we did that day so it's like just very organic and I love working with them (laughs) that's wonderful and me and Julia just have like a connection where we can finish each other's sentences like twins (laughs) <laughs> yeah know, with sean yeah what was that process like because that was a very musical based show right bring your bob so that was our musical improv duo and then mm. we also did um we did a cabaret night this might be what you're referring to like we're singing actually. we're singing a song called single man drought and <laughs> we we play like the women in the in the song and the men mm-hmm I don't know if that that's what you're referring to, but that's I actually... I saw things online, and it was, again, like, I can't make it, but I want to see these two. Yeah, um, I <laughs> And I did see... bring. I saw specifically the posters or, you know, the, the uh, plugs online for Bring Your Own Bob, mm-hmm. but I think I saw this cabaret thing, too. Yes, yes. And that was cool, because that was our first time performing with each other. Oh, wow. And... That's the thing, like, what's so crazy to me is, like, I moved to New York and I find someone with, like, this similar energy. To, like, we have this, like, similar, I don't even know how to describe it, but mm-hmm. it's, like, we're kindred spirits, but I just can't believe she exists. She's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, she's brought out of me, like, things that, because she is such, like, a, her music background is like incredible and like how she can play the piano and that is just like brought I feel like our duo to the next level because even during this quarantine we have written songs like in separate apart or homes obviously and she like we we wrote a song together mm-hmm. and then she like did all of the music she mixed it in garage band herself and she also like made our vocals like sound like we were in the same room and i was like blown away so like she's unreal it's so cool how we can still collaborate long distance but she's always down for every anything like i was like hey i want to do this and she's always like yep (laughs) and yeah even when we met it was actually on a magnet theater community post someone james actually tagged me in a post that she posted and then we met up um, to talk about um, teaching improv games um, to um, elderly folks. And because I've done it before in Michigan, um, working with Gilda's Club. Uh, and she met up with me. And then we, like, for our first time meeting, we, like, decided by the end of that meeting or hangout, and we were like, first of all, did we just become best friends? Yep. Second of all, we need to write a show together. Like we need to perform together. And that was like so cool because you know, when you meet someone for the first time, it's usually like, you know, like small talk and, and we just like dove in and like realized how, how much we had in common and it it just clicked right away. And all the performing we've done since has just felt so right. And yeah. So that cabaret was our first performance together. And it was, it was so fun because it was a cabaret and like a lot of people in that show are 
of course, like musical theater people and like <laughs> singing like these beautiful ballads and like me and Sean go there. <laughs> Just, like, putting on a top hat, like, speaking like men and then, like, taking the top hat off and being, like, the girls in the scene. It was just, like, we, she, it was, like, completely, like, she's the one who asked me to be a part of it. And I loved her approach to say, it doesn't have to be what it is on paper. It doesn't have to be, like, perfect vocals singing, like... Mm-hmm. Dear Evan Hansen, like it can mm-hmm. be two silly gals just singing like, well, but also being funny and weird. And and we really stood out that night because we took it in a different way. And I feel like she always does that. And I love that about her. Yeah, she's wonderful. I mean, I keep saying that. <laughs> I'm sure the audience is like, yeah, you really <laughs> cannot say it enough. Like anyone who doesn't know her or Julia or don't yeah. know her Julia don't uh, they're probably like Jason you keep saying that are you in love what's your problem <laughs> what happened to girlfriend of the show Justina but like if you knew them you would understand yeah it's no, you can't for sure. say enough for it to be really accurate <laughs> like no, you do I, have to keep saying it I agree and you've shared the stage well, I know with Julia but have you performed with Sean I in a couple of like jam settings, but not yeah. anything as official as what you've done, and right. um, uh, and yeah, Julia's on my improv team. Yeah, or we're yep. on an improv Sweetheart. team together. Yep, and uh, she's great. We fan. added her, uh, and and have you know just adored her being on our, on the team. I love Aww. doing scenes with her. She's Aww. so so fun. And we always break. Uh, in scenes together, but it's just because she's so funny. She just yeah. brings an energy into a scene that was <laughs> like unexpected, and it's just so fun. Even over Zoom, it's fun to just watch her do stuff. I know. I literally, again, like have performed with her for years, and she still like su- like you said surprises me. Yeah. Like I'm like, where did she go? Like get that, and I am. Like, she's one of my, like, I know I'm biased, but she is one of my favorite improvisers of all yeah. time. Like, truly, I think she's so good. <laughs> she's so, so funny. Oh. And um, we hope to get her on the podcast soon. Yeah! Now, then everyone will get it. And everyone will get it a little bit more. Yes, because you have a episode with Sean, and mm-hmm. then you'll get the trifecta, listen to them all in a row. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so awesome. When I saw you perform, it, it it and it's you have your own thing, but I I was reminded of Gilda Radner and, and ah! yeah. it's my favorite thing ever. Yeah, so like I noticed, I found out upon uh, looking up info about you for this interview that uh-huh. you played uh, Roseanne Rosanna Dana for a show. For Gilda's Club. So do you know what Gilda's Club is? Yes. Okay. So if the listeners don't know, yeah. um, Gilda's Club is located in various um, cities um, in the U.S. And I'm wondering, I think in Canada too, and I'm I'm not sure how far, but it, it's all over. And um, it is a community where people who have cancer or, or have been affected by cancer, either by a loved one, a family member, um, can go and receive support. And there's so many different types of support, like therapy sessions or even like group meetings of other um, people um, that can come together and just talk um, and hang out. Um, and what I, how I got involved in Detroit is I actually taught improv workshops with um a guy named chris moody who is actually he does a lot he's a a part of a lot of like the improv utopia camp so i don't know if anyone knows him shout out chris moody but um i taught improv workshops at gilda's club detroit and then when i discovered it and i also have this strong connection with gilda um i also joined the associate board in new york and sean did too after that first meeting (laughs) we met She's like, I'll do it too. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I'm, I'm very connected. So that they had um, in 
Detroit, they have a, an event called Gilda's Club Big Night Out. Mm-hmm. And that's like their big fundraiser um, for Gilda's Club Detroit. And I, that's where I first um, dressed up as or was Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. And that was amazing. And like everyone took pictures with me. <laughs> and I <laughs> soaked in every second. And then the New York clubhouse found out about the Detroit that I did that and they sent literally the costume to New York and I was Roseanne Rosanna Dana at their gala event and in true New York fashion there was a lot of celebrities at this event and um they were honoring Vanessa Bayer that night which was so so cool and Kenan Thompson was the one who awarded her the award so they were both there and I was like, oh, my God. And I got a picture with them as Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. Oh, amazing. So I didn't, like, do an impression. Of, I was prepared. I was mm-hmm. like, just in case. They're like, bring out Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. I had it. I practiced. But I didn't do any impression of her. But it was kind of the same thing where I dressed up as her and, like, took pictures with people. And, yeah. And also... Um, yeah, Alan Zweibel, who... Oh, yeah. He, I'm, like, obsessed with him. Yeah, he's, such, um, he's a great writer. He's one of the original writers at SNL. Oh, my God, Jason. You are my favorite person. <laughs> Literally, yes. I'm so glad you knew that. Um, <laughs> seriously, that made my life. Um, so I wrote him a letter prior to even being affiliated with Girls Club New York when I read his book, Bunny Bunny. Have you... I have not. I have not. So it's about his relationship with Gilda. And it like moved me so much. And especially because people tell me all the time, like, you remind me of Gilda. And like, we do have like very similar, like you said, like in my performing, like energies. And it's just so weird. It's just like a level of energy and joy that comes out that, that I see the connection. But you're your own person. It's not like right. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're copying her. It's just like this, this uh, the, that ineffable something that makes somebody a special performer uh, is just at that same level. It's at that same frequency. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. That's really cool. But oh, yeah, I, you're I, welcome. I've heard it from like, and it's weird because I've started hearing this when I started performing. That, like, I remind people of her in some way, shape, or form. And I've heard it from people I know extremely well, and I've heard from people I've never met before. I've, I've heard it since I started performing all the time. And it, it's just so interesting. And she's also from Detroit, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's such... So, I, yeah, I feel, like, very connected to her. And, like, with... I wrote Alan a letter, and I... <laughs> I got to meet him at the gala. Oh, cool. And that was so special. And, like, he also, like, after I wrote him the letter, he was touched by it. It was literally, like, three pages single space. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and he let me, like, have a phone conversation with him. So he was very, like, kind. He's so kind and supportive and nice. And and it was so cool to meet him at the gala. And I met him at one other Gilda's Club event. And he just recently came out with a a book called Laugh Lines, which I'm reading, and it's awesome. And mm-hmm. I've been, like, posting on social media about it, and he's been commenting. So we're, oh, like, that's, friends. That's great. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so those are a couple of people I imagine inspire you. When you got really inspired to do comedy, like, what kind of comedy or what, what kind of performers do you try to not emulate, but mm-hmm. what is the style that you like? So after, like, I started performing, Gilda, definitely a huge, and to this day, is, like, my number one um, Mm -hmm. after I discovered her. Another thing I would say, like, growing up, I watched all that, and Mm -hmm. I loved, like, all, like, because it was, like, the kids' version of SNL, you know? (laughs) So I do feel like those sketches really influenced me, and, like, I, like, Amanda Bynes specifically, and, like, the Amanda show, (laughs) she was just such a... um, such a weirdo and I like I loved her like crazy weird characters and style and another huge huge inspiration for me was Robin Williams too like oh yeah oh I oh like Mrs. Doubtfire is to my, this day my favorite movie 
<laughs> and just like, yeah, I just, I love so much about that movie, but especially just like, I feel like they turn on the camera and just let him go, go wild with characters. Like there's so many parts in the movie where he's just like doing characters that like, don't like, there's no way they were written in to the script. Like he, he just like, he's so energetic. Like even I watched so many interviews with him, like online and they can't even get past like, what's your name? Cause he's just going off on all these tangents and like, Mm -hmm running all over the stage and, like, being physical and weird. So I do feel like Robin Williams is a big one for me, too. Oh, nice. What sort of things do you hope to do next? I mean, you're you're on a roll, it seems like. So what oh. do you want to do that's uh, you're either planning for or you hope to get to? So an interesting – well, one thing that I was, like, trying to learn a lot about and also going for um, – is um, I love I do love musical theater and I would love to be on Broadway. <laughs> so I did go to an audition actually for the Mrs. Doubtfire musical because I'm like oh, I'm gonna no. try if I'm gonna yeah. try that's the one. But sadly I am not Equity, so mm. it. I have a lot of learning to do in that regard, like about equity, non-equity, like being EPA is when you're gaining points towards being equity. And I, I mean, it's it's exciting and also like daunting because it's like, yeah. well, I wish I was gaining, like like we said, hindsight is <laughs> 2020. Mm-hmm. I wish I was working on points towards being equity eligible for like since Mich- since I was performing in Michigan because there's equity theaters there, but mm. you know you can't go back in time. Right. So <laughs> you can like audition as um, not as a non-equity performer, but I got there like at 7:30 a.m. that day and like waited outside and like at Pearl Studios put my name on a list and I waited there all day and I ended up not getting seen and I think I was there from like five till 5:30. Oh wow. <laughs> Because they kept, like, giving me, like, like, they didn't tell me, like, we're not seeing equity today, which that's a call they should make. I mean, some of the, like, there was also Town, which I had my name on the list for. Mm-hmm. And they did make that call. They said they said early on, like, we're not going to see equity today. And, and the reason for that is if they have enough appointment slots by equity performers, then mm-hmm. they, they get first dibs and also behind that would be the EPA performers who are like working towards getting points they get seen and then the non-equity souls get seen so it's a whole crazy world and it would be a dream to even get to audition Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was the thing I'm like I don't even know what I would sound like if I got in the room because I was just sitting there all day and like (laughs) right filled with people so you in the room so you can't like you you can warm up, but you got to figure it out. <laughs> That's like one of the weird things. I think <laughs> weird is maybe the wrong word, but like the things you have to do in order to look crazy, just so you can be prepared in the city. Yes. You know, like dancing yeah. on the subway, like doing the moves in the yeah. subway platform, or singing. You know, like yep. doing warm vocal exercises. There's so many people that probably walk by performers are like who is this they're nuts when in truth it's just a really prepared person (laughs) i know and that's like the beauty of new york because there are so many people doing that that it's like there's i feel like less judgment you know (laughs) it's like oh this is new york classic new york and i've definitely Mm -hmm. done it (laughs) oh yeah i'm sure you have to (laughs) well i'm not a singer but um (laughs) you know and that's the thing like there are certain things that I just want to be able to do. And that does involve getting out of a comfort zone to try to do it. You know, like if I want to practice, if I want to uh, take singing lessons and I want to practice in my apartment, somebody else is going to hear it in the building. And yes. you know, that it, that is a little hump to get over in order to do something, you know, that you don't really yes. have to think about when you, don't live in such a confined space as New York City. 
Yeah, I'm doing the slow clap again. Because <laughs> um, that has been really hard to like keep up on my singing because literally during this quarantine, I was singing in my apartment and the window was open and my neighbor, who is a teen, like I specifically knew which neighbor yelled this. And he goes, stop singing. <laughs> uh, and I yeah. was like, he has a point but <laughs> yeah i mean i get it but at the same time it's like i mean like a teen didn't choose to live in new york city but an adult yeah. did and, it, yeah. and if you're an adult <laughs> then you have no excuse to not know who else is in new york city and why so many people come to new york city it's for this you know so yeah. you're gonna hear people practicing and you can either choose to accept it or not accept it, but if you're not going to accept it, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> like exactly. Maybe you're in the wrong place for your vibe. Exactly. That is really a tough part. Or like, you know, if you have roommates, it's like, oh, you got to hear me sing. Or like finding the space to mm -hmm. dance. Like I was trying to do TikTok videos in my room <laughs> and I have like a one foot radius because I didn't want to like my roommate to see the living room dancing like a weirdo <laughs> so i'm like this is where i am this is what i have to do but i, I guess that's the beauty of it right <laughs> yeah i think that's some of why like maybe teens are so big on tiktok or like so many of them are on tiktok is because they don't have the shame yet yeah, <laughs> that yeah. adults develop. <laughs> so like, we have to hide to do the TikTok dances. <laughs> right, right. When but like a teenager, <laughs> we'll go into the middle of the house <laughs> while people are just trying to like read and just 100%. do a TikTok. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I so could talk insane. to you forever, but <laughs> we are getting towards the end of the episode, so that oh. means it's time to create something together. Ooh, yay! Um. And I'm trying to think what that thing could be. An obvious one is if we did a two-person show, uh, how would we develop that, and maybe what that would be, would would be involved with that. I love that. Um, do you have any other ideas before we jump? If oh yes, and it, we can also um, let inspire us the fact that we both are communications majors, mm -hmm. and we both. Are connected by nice, joyful people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like that has to be a part of it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So let's see. I definitely would like want to seek out the help of the nice, joyful people, or at least like make them happy because they've made yes. me so happy. That um, would be our goal. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not since so you're musically talented as a singer uh i am not <laughs> i feel like i'd be holding you back if we didn't no this is what we would it. do is we would it'd be putting ourselves both of us out of our comfort zone mm -hmm. and so we would both do things that we would want to do or just to like learn a new skill in mm -hmm. this show so then maybe that's like the focus of the show and it, it would in turn make everyone feel joy and happy because doing things we've never done it's not gonna come out perfectly but i'm sure we would do it with a smile yeah maybe that's the like <laughs> premise of the show like I maybe it's that. called comfort zone or something <gasps> like that and we're comforted by the those beautiful people and right. also going out of that comfort zone but with their support mm -hmm. and yeah, that'd be so cool. Like, if we each, like, learned a skill maybe from someone that, like, we love and admire. Yeah. And then we come and we come to the stage together and show each other what we learned. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be fun. Because then, like, Adam Payne could show me how to do uh, musical improv or just oh, sing on God. stage. <laughs> and then Fred would show me how to puppeteer. Oh, how to create a amazing. puppet and then make it sing. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and then Sean could show us something, I'm sure. Oh, she she could. First of all, I want to learn how to do the accent she does. <laughs> or, or <laughs> yeah. New York. Or New York. <laughs> yeah, she or helped me with Sean. it. Sean. 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 Uh, she helped me. She helped me with it when she was on. Um, 
Let's see. Let's see. What else could we throw in here? And Julia would have to be in here somehow. Oh, yeah. She... She would... She would jump on the stage at random and, like, kind of, like, do, like, the remix. Like, this is what changes now. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Now that you're doing this, now you have to... While you do your the puppet, you have to close your eye. I don't know. <laughs> she puts the layer on top of it, the mm-hmm, challenge. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners are going to have to listen back uh, in a few weeks to an episode with Julia uh, that has not been recorded yet and understand who we're referencing there. You all know Sean um, and Adam yes. and Fred will have to acquaint you with so yes. that you can know what we're talking about now and appreciate it on its level so true yes and like everyone knows people like these people too so just visualize those people you love audience and just Mm -hmm. know it's them (laughs) (laughs) there it is thanks so much for being on the podcast nicole thank you for having me jason this was a blast and literally flew by it was so much fun she's a stinker ain't she (laughs) She uplifts your spirits. Follow her on Instagram at Nicole Birdfeather and also follow her duo with Sean Cantatori, Bring Your Own Bob, on their Instagram at Bring Your Own Dot Bob. All right, that's all the Instagram for her, but just go to the Magnet Theater when it reopens and see her all the time when you get a chance. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. Also, subscribe to our newsletter and support us if you can. And uh, just know that would help and go a long way. Go to thereitispod.com to find out more about our Comedy Life newsletter and how to support us. Links to all of the things in the bio. So check those out. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 